0: You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God. As you see, seated, open your Bible once again. John chapter 10 and verse 27. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Say this. Jesus says, I hear his voice. Say this, if he said it, then I do hear his voice. We've been having a look over the last number of weeks on how to recognize the voice of God. Because so often, I know when I was born again and got saved, that you'd hear Christians talking about, they heard God say, or God spoke to me, or God led me. And it was, well, I'm serving Jesus, but I'm not sure what that feels like. What does that sound like? If you're going to hear God's voice. Am I going to actually hear somebody speaking in the room. What what is that? What is it like? And so i was so glad that the very first week after I got saved, Pastor Theo started teaching on how to recognize the voice of God. And here's the thing, to learn to recognize the voice of God is talking about the fact that God is already speaking to you. But if I'm thinking, I haven't heard God. No, you have. But maybe you didn't recognize what that was. And so it's the key to be able to understand that God is speaking. God is speaking to everybody. If the Bible tells us that no one comes to the Father except he draws them, and God would have that none should perish, evidently if he doesn't want anybody to perish, he would be drawing everybody. So he's calling everybody to come home, but not everybody is answering. So even to get saved, you had to hear God's voice. And so someone interceded for you and prayed in a way that the confusion was taken away. The blindness was removed. The veils were taken off. The scales taken from your eyes. And the hardness of the heart was taken away. And you were able to eventually hear the call. And and we thought it was, I think I'll go to church. Uh, You know, (laughs) it was, maybe I'll go check out the bay. Maybe, you know, I'll go and talk to a friend at work. We don't know how it happened, but somehow we landed up getting saved. Come on, how many of you understand what I'm talking about? Each of us had a different path to get there. But yeah, we thought we just decided one day to serve Jesus. No, God was always calling us. But the day came when you were able to hear that, even though you may not even realize you were answering the call of God. But the good news is now that you're born again, we can learn to do that on purpose now. We can learn to listen for His voice. There is a way that we are able to hear His voice and recognize His voice so that we can make wise and accurate decisions concerning our future. Remember, Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will tell you things to come. People say, how are you going to know the truth? What is truth? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And God says, Jesus saying, the Holy Spirit will guide you to that truth. You don't have to be confused or worried about it. And so if you're listening to the Holy Spirit, He'll always guide you in what is truth. And not only that, He will teach you what you need to know to be able to live that truth. And He revealed to you your future. Lift your hand. and say, the Holy Spirit is showing me my future. He is telling me things to come. So if He's telling me things to come, I need to be able to hear it. And so we've had a look at what does that mean? What does it mean to hear God's voice? How do I hear his voice? What does his voice sound like? And we heard uh, words like in Romans chapter 8 verse 16, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 14 it says that we the things of God are spiritually discerned. And then Colossians chapter 3 verse 15 we had a look in detail last week Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. So we're talking about a bearing witness, the ability to discern. There's a peace that rules. That word rule is the Greek word brabio. Brabio means to be an umpire, to be able to discern, to govern, to be an umpire, to decide, to determine, to direct, to control. To rule. That's where the translator used the word rule there. The understanding that you get from Rabio is a decision maker. And you have an umpire, referee in a game so that they can make decisions. In other words, everybody should know the rules and everybody should obey them and they should keep them. And if they do, you'll have a great game. In other words, if everybody did exactly the right thing, you'd never hear from the referee. And so you understand that uh, when the referee blows the whistle, it's because something has to be corrected. Something has to be redirected. And so that will happen as we live life. It's not like you have to hear God on every single decision. You know, do I have wheat, bix or eggs this morning? Do I have? No, no, you, you can go ahead and live your life. God gives you tastes. He gives you enjoyment. He gives you desires. He gives you wants. In other words, if one guy wants to wear a tie and another one doesn't, which one's right? You know? No. What do you want to do? Say Amen. I just find that sometimes Christians get so hooked up on God must do everything that they end up not making any decisions. And as a result, wheels spin all the time. because i like waiting for God. And then all of a sudden, God does speak. And You want to hang on. Is that God? Because now, we, you know, someone comes and says, Pastor and I really believe that's my wife over there. And God showed me that, that I'm going to marry her. Well, do you know that she's married? Yes, but God's, no, no, no. God will never violate his word. Amen. The other one, young people, God show me that's my wife. And there's like five guys God showed them all that's my wife. She just happened to be the pretty girl in church. And now everybody says, God said, that's my wife. Well, no, God hasn't. You know, God's not picking the same wife for all five guys. So, So someone's missing it. No, no. God gives you desires of your heart. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. And obviously, if you're about to make the wrong decision, that's someone you should not marry, he will give you a heads up. No, no, you don't want to be getting together with that person. Are you with me? So he's there to help us in those decisions. And the point I'm making is that that umpire where God rules in our hearts will give us the ability to make wise and accurate decisions. Now, last week we spoke about it being the peace of God, the peace of God. So it makes sense that if you, we're not in a place of peace, you won't know when peace rules. Because when you're in a place of rest and comfort, walking with God in a place of peace, if you're about to make the wrong decision, it'll, you'll sense it as turmoil. You'll sense it as a roughness, a, a, a wrong decision. Sometimes it almost feels like you've just lost your salvation. No, you haven't. You can never. You have to walk away from God. God doesn't withdraw his salvation, but it's because he's, that's your umpire. God's not, he doesn't want you to make that decision, so you sense peace leaving your life. And it can feel like loss. It can feel that, that, that roughness, that grittiness. There's different ways of explaining it, but it's more a sense of this something's not right here. So you understand if we're always in arguing and and always angry and we're always on edge and we're always in anxiety and we always, well, then you're not going to sense the change in that. So then you're not going to be able to follow God's voice. That's why it's important in the morning to get to a place, lay aside yesterday, forgive, let it go, it's over, it's done. Now, Lord, today I need to hear your voice and stay. Pray in the Spirit, sing and worship in the Spirit till you're in a place of rest and in a place of peace. And then through the day, guard your heart. Stay in that place. Stay in the place. Now, the devil will do everything he can to upset that. He's going to bring people, bring turmoil, bring anxiety, bring worries, bring concerns. The idea is to say, Lord, I need to hear your voice. I'm forgiving. I'm rolling that onto the Lord. I need to stay in a place of peace. I don't want to be driving down the highway thinking I'm arguing with somebody and fighting with someone, and just now there's an accident about to happen, and God says, turn off, yeah, and I missed that turn. You don't want to have that happen. You want to be able to be sensitive, so you're always worshiping, always staying in a place of peace, of comfort, rest, so that if he does say, now you need to get off the highway, you, you hear that. You're getting what I'm saying. So it's very, very important that we stay in a place of peace. So we're talking about that peace, that bearing witness. Now, notice he bears witness with our spirit, with our spirit. Everyone say this, when God speaks to me, he bears witness with my spirit. The peace of God rules in my heart, not my head, in my heart. So now you do understand if he says the rule, let the peace of God rule in your heart. He is not talking about the muscle in your chest. Your muscle in your chest can't think any more than your big toe can. How many of you understand what I'm saying? So if he's going to rule in our heart, what heart is he talking about yet? Have a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. May the God of peace. How does He rule in our hearts? Through peace. Now, may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body. Be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody says spirit, soul, and body. Notice that there are three different parts to you. Spirit, soul, and body. Now the body most people are aware of. They know, you know about your body. Before you're saved, That's all that we thought we are, is that we were flesh people. Body, you know, you hear people say, I'm just human. That's just who I am. I'm a person. And we think of our body. If if our body's experiencing symptoms, we say things like, I am sick. uh, Even though it's our body that's experiencing the symptoms. You're getting what I'm saying. We talk about the body like it's us. You know, if someone, if you see a body walking, you say, look, Alan just walked in the room. And we kind of identify the body with the person. But your body is really the flesh part of you is your vehicle. That's what you live in while you're on the earth. You came forth from God. You already existed within God. God told Jeremiah, I knew you before I formed you in the womb. So that means Jeremiah was present with God. Now, we don't remember that any more than you remember crying in your cot. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. You were present with God. You have lived ever since God has lived. You were always within God. And then he wanted to send you to the earth and to put you into the earth, to live in this planet, in this natural realm, you needed an earth suit. Same way as you go to the moon, you need a moon suit. So God created an earth suit out of the material of the earth, which your mother gave forth out of her body. Your body came from what she ate from the earth, processed through a system, and then delivered it in a way that it would form a body that God could then put you into. So the moment your parents conceived and uh, and, and you were made to be a person when that seed meets the egg. That is a flesh body beginning to form. That moment, God inserts you into that seed, into that egg. And now that little baby starts growing. You've been sent to the earth with a purpose. No one is conceived accidentally. your, Your parents may think it was an accident But the moment that seed formed, God has a covenant or decision that when seed meets egg, he'll send a person into that egg. Now that person exists. And the only reason he sent you here was you came with a reason. Say that God sent me to this earth for a reason. So if that is the case, I don't have a right to end that life. Because God sent it. I don't get to end it. Say a bigger amen. Amen. So now, if that has happened, I want not put anybody on the condemnation. If anybody has done that, then God has already forgiven you. That was paid for on the cross. And now God is forgiven and you can confess it and move on. Say amen. God heals and He delivers. He doesn't want anybody living in condemnation. We've all done things in ignorance. But once I know about it, and I'm aware of it. Now I can make right and accurate decisions from now on. And so now this body begins to grow. And that flesh body, when we first born, we are born in the presence of God. Jesus said when the disciples wanted to get the children away from him, he said, bring them to me. He said, of such is the kingdom of God. And so until a child has reached an age of understanding where it sins for the first time and is aware it has sinned and it wants to reject any ability to walk away from that and it makes a decision to sin, that is a time when it knows it's done wrong that is then held accountable. That's when each one of us will have died spiritually and then in time get to receive Jesus so we can be born again. I'm not going to go into that in too much detail now because I need to get to what we're sharing with today. The point I'm making is that every child at that time is aware of the presence of God. Remember when John was in the womb of Elizabeth, when Jesus walked into the room in the body of Mary, he was still a baby in the womb. John in the womb could sense Jesus' presence and he leapt with joy. You see that. So now when we're born and we grow up, then we reach that age of understanding. And when we sin, then the life of God leaves us. That's what happened to Adam when he first sinned. God said, the day you eat of the fruit, you will die. When he ate of the knowledge of of good and evil, the moment he ate, he didn't fall over dead in his body. What happened? God, who is life, left his presence. And so he died spiritually. He had now submitted to the enemy, and in that place of death, he now was living in death, if you can put it that way. Now, in that place of spiritual death, there's no awareness of God. You don't sense the presence of God. The Bible says that with the wicked, there is no peace. And so in that place, you're not open to the realm of the spirit. You're not hearing the realm of the spirit. Then all that you are left to, Are your five senses the ability to see, to hear, to taste, to touch, and all your communication happens through that? And so now, as a result of that, in living that lifestyle, until you give your life to Jesus, if you grow up from a young child with only that knowledge, then your only contact with this world is your body. And that's where a lot of people become very body conscious, it's all about the body and about fixing the body and looking after the body and it's just then that's where the body becomes themselves their whole identity is in their body the identity is what they look like and how big or small they are hair curly or straight you know skin light or dark and uh, with a, you know and and, and really the body is just simply a vehicle that gets us around. We should look after it because we want to live the full length of our days. You, you know, you're not going to run your car into the ground and never service it. And then when it breaks down on the highway, now you've got to walk. I'd rather make sure it's clean, it's tiling, the oil's changed, it's full of petrol, and so that I can get to my destination. So we want to live out the full length of our days in the earth. We need to look after the body. But you notice the word of God puts the order. He says, may God preserve you spirit, soul, and body. So yes, he'll look after our body, but it's the least important of the three. And if we're only trusting in our body, if we're only naturally minded, if it's only going to, communication is going to come through the five senses, if you're waiting to hear God's voice with your physical ear, 99.9% of Christians won't hear that. Very seldom does God speak audibly and when he does speak audibly I've had situations where I've wondered if someone was in the room and it had to do with big things in my life like the call to plant the church like major decisions my calling into the ministry I heard it so clear that I wonder if you in the room would have heard it but my memory of it wasn't with the ears it came booming from within my spirit you understand what I'm saying so where Samuel could hear a voice, God speaking, but Eli didn't hear it. And it was so clear to Samuel, he thought Eli was calling. And so when he got to Eli, Eli said, hang on, on the third time, <laughs> that's God trying to talk to you. I haven't heard it once. If you've heard it three times, God's trying to get your attention. So that's how clear it was to that young boy. And so the point I'm making is that uh, we got to. Stop trying to hear God in our mind, in our heads, through our ears. It's going to come through our spirit. So notice, spirit, soul, body. How many you know that angels don't have flesh and blood? They are spirit beings. But that spirit is so form, can, can be in a form that is so firm, you could shake his hand and not know it's just an angel. The Bible says, some have entertained angels without knowing. In other words, you, you see someone, you meet someone, and you have an encounter with that person, and then all of a sudden, where are they? It's like they were never here. And the Bible says that we've had, you've actually had contact with angels, and you didn't even know it was an angel. So you could shake his hand, and it was that firm, but it was spirit. So you looked in another direction, and he's going, and you look back, and he was gone. He just changed his form. So spirit has form. When you get to heaven, you're not going to through heaven. You're going to be in form. Your body has taken on the shape of your spirit. It's like if you put a hand in a glove, you expect the glove to look like the hand. When you put your hand in a glove, it doesn't now look like a foot. A foot. No, it's still got five fingers, it moves like a hand, because your hand's in the glove. So your spirit fits inside this body, so when you, 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 you are, it's like a glove on your body. So someone says, well, we recognize each other when we get to heaven. I always like to say, well, will we recognize each other when we get to Durban? <laughs> Heaven's just another place. So you'll step out this body, of course, the physical body, the flesh, gets affected by time and, you know, gravity and and things that happen to us. But when you step out, you're still going to look yourself, but you'll be more around your your strongest time of your life. So, you know, around about the age, 20, 25, 30, 35, somewhere there, that's kind of what you're going to look. Once you step out, boom, this whole thing falls over and then, hey. Are you with me? So don't get fooled by what you see on the outside. Inside still fresh and flourishing. Say amen. So the point I'm making is that your spirit inside you is as real. That's, that, actually, it's more real than your body. Your body, you're going to leave one day. It's going to disappear and it's going to fade away. That's why some of those people say, you know, should we, uh, should we be cremating or burying? I don't have an answer for you from the word of God. God doesn't give give a definite direction. I know tradition backs certain things like you should only be buried and not cremate. And I always say, why not? Why don't you want to cremate? Well, I need my body on resurrection. So, (laughs) no, you're not getting this body back. This body will go to ash, ash to ash. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And if God had to rely on your body being together, what happens to someone who's blown up in an explosion? How's he going to get around in heaven with little pieces all over the place? No, (laughs) God's not going to be using that body that they put in the grave. If someone, come on, are you getting what I'm saying? Or someone drowns in, in the sea. And then we enrapture and you say, hang on, where's so-and-so? I thought he was coming to the rapture. No, he's still on his way up from the bottom of the sea. No, no, (laughs) that's not the body God's going to be using. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, So the point I'm making here is that the flesh will disappear. Your spirit is who you are. That's more real than the body you're living in. And I want you to become spirit conscious, spirit aware. Because, yeah, we understand that we see the order, spirit, soul, body. Everybody say spirit, soul, body. See, Luke chapter 16, Jesus was giving this account in verse 19. There was a certain rich man. Everybody say certain. So he's addressing somebody they all knew. It's not, not a parable where there was just a, 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 some body. No, when he says a certain man, uh, everyone, when he started telling this parable, actually knew about these people that he's talking about. Here. This certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fed sumptuously every day, but there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. Everybody say Lazarus. He was full of sores and was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and. Licked his sores, And so it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. to say Abraham's bosom. Now, what is Abraham's bosom? Now, you understand when the children of Israel, those that believed in God, in, under the old covenant, when they died, they were not born again. They could not enter into heaven. Because they died in spiritual death. And if they died in spiritual death, they could not access heaven until Jesus had paid the price for their salvation. So where would they go in the meantime? Because sometimes people wonder, what happens to the spirit? You understand, spirit always exists. Once a spirit exists, it'll never cease to exist. The body, the physical body dies, but the spirit will always exist. So the spirit doesn't just hang in limbo, waiting for God to come back. That's what some people misunderstand when they talk about, and he went to sleep. They think we're all going to just sleep until Jesus comes back. No, sleep means your physical body is now dead, but you still going to be with the Lord. Paul said, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So your spirit has to go somewhere. But now these people couldn't go to heaven. So where did they go in the meantime? Well, in the heart of the earth is the place called hell. And in hell itself, in the presence of hell, is different forms. I'm going to talk about them in a moment. But on the one side is the hell you don't want to go to. We'll talk about that in more detail now, now. And then on the other side was this place called Abraham's bosom. There was no fire there. Was no, it was actually called paradise. Everybody say paradise. Yeah, it says yeah, that he was in Abraham's bosom. Remember Luke chapter 23, verse 43. Jesus said to him, "Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Who was he talking to? The thief on the cross. What happened? The thief was dying and the other one was complaining that Jesus should have saved them. And the other one said he hasn't done anything wrong. And then he turned to Jesus and said, please save me. And Jesus said, today I'll see you in paradise. So obviously at that moment, we know that when Jesus died, he did not go to heaven. The moment Jesus died, He did not go to heaven. We know that to be true because when you have a look at Matthew 27 verse 51, behold, this is at His uh, his death and then afterwards the resurrection. Behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked and the rocks were split and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the graves after His resurrection they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So only after Jesus' resurrection did they come out of the grave. Now that must have been a crazy time. Can you imagine there's great-great-grandpa walking through town. I thought we put him in the grave. But now his, the Bible says they, they came out the graves and they were alive, but this was after Jesus' resurrection. Now remember Colossians chapter 1, verse 18 says, Jesus is the head of the body the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. So what happened? On the cross, Jesus died. He gave his life. And he says to the Father, why have you forsaken me? And so he sensed that spiritual death. And then in that place of death, he then went and paid the price for you and me in hell, in the center of the earth, And then once the price had been fully ratified, he then came and he rose from the dead so that he would be the firstborn. He's no longer called the only begotten. He is now the firstborn from the dead. Why? So that we all can be born again. So now once he was the firstborn that was in his resurrection, we have a look at John chapter 20. This is when Mary first meets Jesus. He's now just, 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 just fresh stepped out the grave. In his resurrection, verse 17, Jesus said to her, Mary, do not cling to me. Listen to this. I have not yet ascended to my father. Now go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. What happened? He had just come out the grave. Mary's about to hug him. He says, don't touch me yet because he still has to go and present himself on the mercy seat. You see that? So he says, I've not yet ascended. That's after being in the grave for three days. So where was he? He was down in the heart of the earth. You're seeing that. So now after his resurrection, he's gonna go present his blood on the mercy seat and then the father satisfied, he would then come back to the earth, and then he would meet with all of them and, and share with them the good news and instructions on what's going to happen now that he's going to build his church. Now, you can see this confirmed Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. To each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now, this he ascended What does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? So before he ascended, he first descended. And then he who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Now, notice in verse 8, when he ascended, he led captivity captive. He led captivity captive. What is that? These are the people that had had died in their sin, yet serving God, accounted that there would be a payment by Christ. So they went into this place called Abraham's bosom. And you'll see it now, now in the account that there was a great chasm between hell itself and this place called Abraham's bosom, which is the paradise. Jesus said to the thief, I'll see you there because he was also going there. So he would be able to see the thief in paradise. And so the saints of old, the believers of old, were held in this place, and they would stay there until Jesus had paid the price for their sin. Once the price of their sin was paid, he had then ascended for that. Then what could happen in his resurrection is that they could now be brought out of. They were captive in Abraham's bosom. But now Jesus took them captive for heaven. He took the captivity captive. And having done that, he emptied Abraham's bosom. And those were the people that burst out into the streets and like kind of on their way to heaven. And today they're all in heaven. Come on, give Jesus praise if you got a hold of all of that. So I said all of that so that you would understand Abraham's bosom. Now come back to verse 22. The beggar died. He was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and he was buried and being in torment in Hades. Everybody say Hades. Now that's the the part of hell that we do. There's three parts to hell really. So you could say four if you look at Abraham's bosom, but that's empty today. Uh, But then you've got the other three parts is Hades itself. And this is where this was happening. Then you have Gehenna. Gehenna is the great lake of fire that, you know, that people will be assigned to at the great throne of judgment, the great white throne. And then there's also a third one, which is called Tartarus, T-A-R-T-A-R-U-S, Tartarus. And Peter talks about Angels who have sinned, these are the angels that didn't even land up on earth as demons. These guys already are in Tartarus. They're held there in chains. So you can read about that in Peter. But that's just a very quick insight. Now, the Hades part is where this rich man is. And so being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his? Okay, now hang on. Isn't his body in the grave? He's down in Hades. Yet the Bible says he still has eyes. Obviously, it's not the flesh balls. And he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham. So now he recognizes. So he's got memory. Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his tongue Dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. My, 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 this is still giving instructions. He's in hell and he's giving instructions. Thinks he's still in charge. And Abram said, son, remember in your lifetime you received your good things. Likewise, Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Family God, you want to make sure you make the right decision before you leave. There's no change after you go. There's no changing. Amen. Your destination is sealed by the time you leave this planet. You haven't made a decision for Jesus yet. Make your decision for Jesus now. So critically important. Now notice, there's a number of things I want you to see here. Number one is that he had eyes. He had a tongue. He could feel in the realm of the spirit. He had feelings. He could feel the emotions. He could feel the hurt, torment. And yet he was in spirit. Their bodies were on the grave. So you notice that their spirit, this person, the grave was still, the body was still in the grave, but he was in the earth and he was having this conversation with Abraham, who was also in the earth, and he could see Lazarus clearly. He could recognize him. So all of that's happening in the realm of the spirit. Have a look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Notice we've got spirit and soul, and then we have thoughts and intent of the heart. Where does thoughts happen? In your mind. So your mind is part of your soul. The intent of your heart is the heart. That's the innermost part of your spirit, man. So you are a spirit, and that can be referred to as your heart. Then you have the mind, the ability to think, the ability to reason, the ability to feel without your body. And so that ability to feel without your body is in the realm of your soul. So you notice they are two different things. Sometimes people confuse spirit and soul. They think they're the same thing. But notice the Word of God can separate what is spirit from what is soul. I don't know if that's God or my thoughts. The Word of God can separate that for you. Separate the spirit from the soul. Say this, I am a spirit being. I have a soul. That's my mind, my will, and my emotions, my thoughts. I live in a body. Now, it's very important to know this. I know I spent a lot of time on it. Many of you have heard this before, but it's important again because sometimes it can drift from our thinking because we can very quickly begin to make decisions based on emotion. Or a feeling. I respond with a knee jerk reaction. But once I become spirit conscious, that's who I am. What I'm experiencing in my body is simply that it's a physical feeling in my body. That's why you'll never hear me say, I am sick. Why? Because by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. And they may say, but the doctor found this in you. No, he found it in my body. There's a difference. You may find a symptom in my body, but if I stay in God's word, I believe I'm healed. Then out of my heart flows the power to change the body. To bring the body in line with what my spirit is. You hear what I'm saying? So say that again. I am a spirit. I have a mind, a will, emotions. I live in a body. See, the spirit man, you listen to Job 32 verse 8, there's a spirit in man and the breath of the Almighty. That word breath is the same word used for spirit. So you could say the spirit of God gives the spirit of man understanding. Where does your understanding happen? In your spirit. Remember, God leads us from our spirit, not our minds. Not by circumstances, not by fleeces. Say amen. Proverbs 20 verse 27. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. Psalm 77 verse 6. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart, not my mind, in my heart and my spirit makes diligent search. What's your spirit searching? The answers of God. When? When? Notice it says, even at night. Look at Psalm 16, verse 7 from the NIV. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. Family of God, you can be fast asleep. Your spirit never sleeps. Your body sleeps. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift your hand and say, I hear God's voice. He is spirit. I am spirit. God says, he gives me instruction, guidance, counsel in my heart. Even at night when I am sleeping, God is revealing in my heart everything I need to know for my future. If I trust God, When I go to sleep at night, I make a decision that I hear His voice. By faith, I receive the instruction I need. All the time, God is giving me guidance, understanding, insight, counsel. He is leading me from within my spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give Jesus praise.